everybody. I'm Gary Ebersol. Richard Kipling here. And I'm Randy Schultz. Welcome to Camp Codger, a podcast for people in their golden years. Join us to hear rocking chair wisdom from three old guys. On today's show, Randy's going to lead a discussion on the secrets to a happy life. This topic was inspired by the key findings of an amazing long-running Harvard study on happiness. Before we get started, let's hear from a couple campers who commented on a previous episode about dealing with too much stuff. Jeannie writes, I can relate to too much stuff as I have been reading decluttering articles for at least a couple of years now. I find that reading these articles helps motivate me to continue working towards reducing my stuff. I have made a lot of progress, in my eyes, with many trips donating to the local community thrift stores. My motivation is the idea of letting someone else enjoy the items. So, for now, I will continue working towards letting go because I still have a lot of stuff. Good plan, Jeannie. Your excess stuff may be ideal for other folks who could use just a little bit more stuff. And Patricia says, I love the snowball idea. However, I think I would do day one item, day two, two items, day three, three items, etc. Then have a rest day and start again at day one. <laughs> she also notes, my dearest friend, who I met at eight years of age, recently had to clear her mother's house and sadly soon after her brother's house as both passed suddenly. As a result, she started cleaning her own house and cleansed it of love letters from boyfriends who predated her husband. Interesting. I wonder how many of us might have potentially embarrassing bits of our past buried in our collections of stuff. Thanks for sharing your stuff stories. Randy, take it away. All righty. Now it's time to get happy. <laughs> Actually, it's time to learn about the nine secrets to a happy life. This episode is based on a research project called the Harvard Study of Adult Development, which has followed more than 700 men and now their families from the late 1930s until today. For 84 years, the Harvard study has tracked the same individuals and family members, asking thousands of questions and taking hundreds of measurements to find out what really keeps people healthy and happy. The study's current leaders, Robert Waldinger and Mark Schultz, no relationship to me, have a new book <laughs> out. It's called The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. So who doesn't want to be happier? And co-authors Waldinger and Schultz give us the top secret to happiness right up front. And I quote, if we had to take all 84 years of the Harvard study and boil it into a single principle, one thing that is supported by similar findings across a wide variety of other studies, it would be this. Good relationships keep us healthier and happier, period. So, Richard, what do you think? Does it surprise you that good relationships are the number one secret to happiness? Not at all. In fact, on the happy theme, uh, Allison and I danced off our vows at our wedding to the Pharrell Williams song, Happy. So there you go. There's a start nice, to it. But, nice. but I got to tell you, I think they're right on the dot. Of course, they got 84 years of research behind this. It's phenomenal. Any study could go that long. 
We think relationships are critical, absolutely critical. I'm going to speak for my better half, Allison, as much as me, because she is an expert at this. She doesn't only think that cultivating and maintaining relationships is important. She does it. She calls her friends once or twice a week. She writes thank you notes and sends notes saying, how are you and what's up and what's the latest and just trying to keep up with you. All those things that really count in the knitting of a good relationship. And I have to say, she's much better at it than I am. I like a good relationship, but I am not great at maintaining it. I don't call friends regularly or send them emails regularly. I need some learning in that area. Yeah, relationships are critical. Gary, where do you weigh in on this one? I'm not surprised that relationships make people happier. I mean, there's a lot of good evidence out there that correlates longevity with relationships. Hmm. People who are in good relationships tend to live longer. I tend to understand why. I personally find it harder to maintain relationships and build relationships. Some people are natural at it. I'm not. As I think we talked about in our Making Friends in Our Golden Years episode, you know, it's difficult for many people. We understand how important it is, but we just don't do it. Sometimes we're just uncomfortable. Maybe it's fear of rejection or maybe difficulty in making small talk or maybe just lack of interest. But it's a good deal. It's a good idea. Being in a relationship, having relationships, multiple relationships is, of course, a positive thing. Well, speaking of small talk, as you just mentioned, Gary, that's a segue to secret number two. Happiness secret number two is nurture casual relationships, which I think is an interesting thing for for the study to have shown. But the truth is, the casual relationships can make up as much of your life as the core relationships. Think about the errands you run. You say hello to the barista at the coffee store. You might chat with the uh, supermarket checkout person. Walk your dog through the neighborhood, and you've got a lot of casual conversations. And I think there are a lot of casual ones at work, too, where you may be in a casual work relationship with someone for a decade, right? Sure. It doesn't have to be a deep uh, relationship, but you do see that person casually, frequently. Yes. Which is a little harder when you're retired, because one of the things we lose is our casual relationships when we work. I'll have to confess that most of my relationships outside being married and family were from work relationships, and they were casual. You retire, suddenly, not as easy to do. Good point. All right. So the first two are about happiness. What do you think is number three on the list? What do you think, Gary? Well, I cheated and read the articles (laughs) in the paper. (laughs) But it's actually a really great one. It says, make time for conversations. It's very similar to what we talked about earlier. It's a good thing to do. Sometimes it's a difficult thing to do. But when you do make time for conversations, you do feel better. Right. Richard, as you know, as we all know, conversation is part of relationships. It's hard to be in a relationship without talking to people. Mm, Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) I would have guessed a different number three. I think the third one is to listen. Simply, everyone wants to talk about themselves. It's more work to really listen to the other person when you're having a conversation. I know as a journalist, if you don't listen, you don't get the story right. 
listening, for me, a primary function of happiness and understanding. Richard, you're going to love this. A study out of the University of Kansas that the simple act of reaching out to a friend for conversation at least once a day increases Mm. happiness and lowers stress levels. Jeffrey Hall, director of the Relationships and Technology Lab at Kansas, said, the more that you listened to your friends, the more that you showed you care, the more that you took time to value others' opinions, the Mm -hmm. better you felt at the end of the day. So you nailed it. You totally nailed it. Conversation is, it's not just talking, it's about listening. Gary, if that's true, do you think interacting on Facebook is a good substitute for a good conversation? This is not a good day to ask me about Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I have been struggling with Facebook for the last two days. But to answer your question, I don't see Facebook as a substitute, not even close, because Facebook, Twitter, they're fire hoses that are really designed for you to consume the information coming, respond with simple clicks, but they're not conversational. You know, I'm a digital guy, and I think there's some serious digital alternatives For example, with friends and family that are remote, is email. I get into great conversations with my brother-in-law, Rick, via email exchanges. We probably could pick up the phone, but neither one of us are inclined to do that. But it is a conversation. It's a back and forth. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we'll exchange three, four, five emails before the conversation fades out. I use text messaging to have conversations with my son. You can have decent conversations. All of these are digital metaphors for the good old days when you'd write a letter and put a stamp on it. Mm -hmm. Somebody three days later would get the letter, they'd read it, they'd write a response, pop it back into the mail. That Mm -hmm. was a conversation for a longer period of time. Facebook, no. Email, text messages, absolutely. What do you think, Richard? I'm 100% with Gary. But I agree with Gary that emails and texts, I have lots of text conversations with my kids. They're a lot faster at the keyboard than I am, though, man. But that's a way to communicate, no question. Yeah, I found that digital communications are good for um, little blasts of one thought at a time. Right. But it's hard to have a complex conversation because even in an email, if you mention two or three or four things, the person that is responding to your email is probably going to focus on one, one item. I think it's just a flat, unemotional way to have a conversation. I'm going to defend the email. I tend to take it differently than you do, and maybe I'm the odd man out here. When I exchange emails, I'll take it point by point. For me, it's like writing a handwritten letter. You take a lot of time, you edit it, you punctuate it properly, you use proper syntax, your grammar is good. It's an important form of communication. So, yeah, you can do a one-thought quick back-and-forth thing. That's more for texting. But I think you can have a decent conversation with email. But that's just me. Well, I think that the important thing is the conversation, whether it's in person or on the phone or via some digital means. I think reaching out and responding to people is clearly one of the keys to happiness. So the next secret of a happy life is this. Cultivate kindness. According to the Harvard study, the people who reported higher levels of agreeableness, in other words, the people who were nice, were the happiest. I think that's an interesting point. And I'm not sure I would have put that on the list of how to cultivate happiness. Are happier people kinder? 
or are kinder people happier? I don't know. The question is, are you happier when you're nice to people, right? Yes, that's the question. It turns out, from kind of a grumpy old man like myself, the answer is yes. Typically, when I go to the grocery store, I'm on a mission. I know exactly what I'm buying. I know exactly where it is in the grocery store. And I charge through that grocery store and don't make eye contact. I'm going to fill that cart. I even go to the self-checkout so I don't have to deal with people. So you don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> but what I do, it's sometimes something goes wrong at self-checkout and the person standing there who's supposed to be helping you, and you have a little conversation, you acknowledge them, you appreciate their help, you're nice to them. And I suddenly feel a little bit better. Hmm. I suddenly feel the stress of shopping, which I hate doing, kind of dissipates a little bit. When I go to Trader Joe's where they don't have the self-checkout, and you strike up just a short conversation with the person doing the hard work there. They're standing there checking you out. If you have a nice little back and forth, two or three sentences, not much, you feel a little better. You engage with somebody. So for somebody like me, the answer is yes, because it's really kind of out of the norm for my typical behavior. Hmm. Yes, I am happier when I'm nice. All right. Well, I think that's proof right there. If if, uh, if Krabby Gary can be happy when he's nice, that's good advice for all of us. Well, guys, one of the things that might be surprising from the Harvard study was this. Happier people... <laughs> <laughs> That's for the bloopers reel. <laughs> All right. Happier people take time to volunteer. Many studies have shown that men and women who took time to volunteer, even just a few hours a week, were happier. Why? They met people. They formed more relationships with people. They took pride and satisfaction in the actual volunteer work they were doing. Again, it's another way to create a relationship, and it's another way to interact with people. Pretty cool, actually. Gary, what do you think about volunteer work? You know, we know it's a good thing. We know it's things we should do. It's just giving back. But I just have not been able to get into the mode of saying, I'm going to volunteer for this. Randy, what about you? I like the idea of volunteering, and as I, as I work less and as I'm less busy, I'm planning to do more of that. And I should pipe in here that for 40 years, I did not volunteer for most things on purpose because as a journalist, you're supposed to observe and not participate. I did coach soccer teams and volunteer to help at a school or something. Well, okay, so we've covered five of the items on the secrets to a happy life list. According to the Harvard study, there are four more. And spoiler alert, they all have to do with relationships one oh, way or the other. You're kidding. I swear to you, I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> Number six on the list is learn to apologize. Mm. Oh, Numbers. I'm always apologizing because I'm always <laughs> screwing up. <laughs> well, you, you got a leg up on that one anyway, Gary. Uh, number seven <laughs> is ask questions. What do you guys Hello. think of that? Hello. Oh, that made me so happy. <laughs> was that brilliant or was that brilliant? <laughs> that was just brilliant. See how I worked that in? Uh, number eight, express your love. And number nine on the list of the secrets to a happy life is be willing to be vulnerable. 
So I guess that means being a butthead is not a good way to happiness. <laughs> Damn, I'm never going to be happy. Dang. Dang, I'm never going to be happy. <laughs> That's right, politically correct, Gary. Yes. So you guys, we've had a little bit of fun with the topic, even though, you know, let's face it, we've been pretty serious about talking about happiness, which is kind of ironic. What do you guys think of all this relationship stuff on the happiness list? I think it's logical and almost obvious. Yeah. We're social animals. We're tribal animals. And we are evolved to essentially be part of communities and to survive better when we're in relationships because the relationship makes the community stronger. Do relationships make us happier? The answer just naturally seems to be yes. Survival of the species really depends on us being happy. Certainly when it comes to working together, absolutely. I don't think we would have uh, ended up at the top of the food chain if we hadn't worked together. So Richard, do you feel happier on days when you've actually had more interactions with people? It's a really good question. We took a walk the other day. I saw a woman trying to bring her trash can up a steep driveway and I went over to help. And we ended up talking to this woman for 10 minutes and exchanged information about how to stay in touch with each other. And now we're making plans to uh, to get together. After that episode was over, we were walking on. Both Alice and I felt more energized and I got to say happier just because of that interaction. Yeah, interactions with people are kind of like a drug in a good sense. They boost you up when you have them. I have no complaints about that. On the other hand, I'm really happy sometimes taking a walk alone. And not interacting, but just convening with nature, letting things out and letting things in without interaction with other people. Both things. But I have to say the interaction with other people are awfully important. Amen. Amen. I think we're all in agreement on that. And I'll bet our listeners are too. We've covered the nine secrets to a happy life <laughs> on this show, which is a big undertaking. And most of these secrets involve our interactions with our fellow human beings. These include creating and maintaining core relationships and nurturing casual relationships by making time for conversations, being kind, volunteering, asking questions, learning to apologize, telling and showing people that you love them, and being vulnerable. These are all, in one way or another, relationship issues. Back in the 1980s, a singer named Bobby McFerrin had a huge hit song called Don't yeah. Worry, Be Happy. Yeah. You guys probably remember that. Oh, yeah. Yes. I loved that song. I still mm -hmm. love that song. I yeah. hated that song. Oh, shut up, Gary. We're trying to be happy here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I still think Don't Worry, Be Happy is good advice. But now we also know how important it is to interact with other human beings and foster meaningful relationships. So be nice. Be a friend. Reach out to other people. Don't worry if somebody thinks you're being too friendly or too nosy. 90% of the time, people love it when you say hello and ask them how their day is going. Don't worry. Be happy. Hmm. And be human. As always... We love hearing from you guys out there in podcast land. Give us your thoughts on what makes you happy in your golden years. In next week's episode, our resident computer geek, that would be me, leads a discussion about the epidemic of seniors getting scammed online. 
we offer a few simple tips to reduce the risk of being taken by an internet bandit. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to Camp Codger in your favorite podcast app or sign up on our website. As always, we would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at campcodger at gmail.com, post a comment at www.campcodger.com, or leave a voicemail at 505-216-6171.